0: Morning, guys. How are you? Uh, well, we're, we love this series. I've heard a lot about this series. How many of you went to EXO this weekend, Friday, Saturday? Good. Oh, look, you're happy, too. Look at you guys. We're glad. I'm sure you had a great time. Uh, I know it's a great conference, and you know, there's some phenomenal speakers, uh, and so we're, we're glad you guys got to go. But anytime the, the Word of God or the truth comes into your life, whether you're married or single or, or uh, in family, it's always good. And so thank you for making time uh, to invest in your marriage and invest in what God has to say in your marriages, uh, believe in great things for you. And so uh, I'm sure you're tired and exhausted. It was a full weekend, but uh, it feels like you've been at church for three days, right? You ever have that feeling uh, that's good. That's always exciting. Um, all right, open your Bibles to First Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to be in Chapter, uh, actually Second Thessalonians, is where we're going to start today. Uh, and so we're going to finish out this series next weekend. And uh, and so I wanted to just uh, really get you excited about next weekend as well. Uh, it's kind of going to be like last weekend where we talked about the second coming, but uh, next week we're going to talk about really the end, but in a different perspective or different light. So we'll we'll kind of close out Thessalonians with that. But today, uh, I titled the message, Did You See That? Because there's some there's some things that Paul writes in a few, just a few verses, uh, and I don't know about you, how many of you guys have ever done that Bible for a year plan? You read through the whole Bible in 365 days. Uh, I've done that a couple times too, uh, you know, and uh, I'm finding now, later, uh, the more i I read the Bible, the harder that gets for me because I'll read something and then I'll just want to dig in on read that verse uh, or that chapter. So uh, if you've ever, how many of you have been going through the reading the Bible in a whole year and then you get behind and you feel feel terrible? Uh, I just want you to know I fail every time at the Bible for a year now. I am not good at reading the Bible for a year anymore. But because of verses like this, and I just want you to see because uh, it really challenges me. And, it, and when I see things like this, I, I really start to ask questions and look at other uh, other places in the Bible where you may see this. But uh, but you're gonna to see, this is uh, this is really coming from a perspective, uh, I believe, a maturity. Uh, worship, uh, if you don't know, worship isn't uh, just music. Well, music is a big part of worship, uh, but it's not, you know, when you think of worship, a lot of people think of music, uh, and that's a good thing, but it's not just music. Worship is your life. It's, it's how you live your life. That's what worship is. It's, um, as Romans 12, 2 says, this is your living sacrifice. This is your living worship. Every day in and day out, how you live for God, that's worship. Uh, and so, of course, music is a big part of that. He uses music a lot, to encourage us to lift us up, to speak to us, uh, but today you're going to see uh, really what I believe Paul was writing is uh, really a, a, an end goal for us. Really, if we can think of ourselves uh, and really have a goal of ourselves to mature as a Christian, what what would our life look like? What would our worship look like? Uh, if we could mature and before Christ comes, you know, what is something that we would uh, achieve or strive for? I think today you're going to hear that in the, in the message and you're going to hear that through what Paul's writings. And he's, Like I said, it's just a few verses, but I wanted to read that with you. So if you've turned to Second Thessalonians, let's, let's just read the verses and then we're going to break them down a little bit. But starting in verse 1. Uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We uh, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it's fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who Do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction uh, from the presence of the Lord and from his glory and and, and of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in the saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I read that purposely, uh, maybe as you were doing a reading. And uh, if you just read those 12 verses, you know, it's, it's an introduction. It's a, he's writing the letter again to Thessalonians. He's, he's writing this letter to encourage the church of Thessalonians. Uh, but he writes some interesting, uh, really just slogans in there, or maybe just little taglines. And if I could help break those down for you, I think, uh, I think he, you might say, uh, what, what did he just say there? You know, sometimes uh, speakers or, or when you're hearing the Bible, uh, if you went to Jimmy Evans, he's one of those guys. He, he, he can say a whole lot in a short amount of uh, segments. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched him, uh, like a, well, even listening to him at the conference this weekend, at the XO conference. But uh, when he teaches, he'll say something and you'll have to rewind it. Wait, what did he just say there? Uh, you know, just able to say a profound a lot of things in, in a short amount of uh, words. And this is what Paul's doing. And so in this, in this scripture, you're going to see, I, I hope you saw it. I hope you saw a few things there that were like, uh, wait a minute, what, what did he just say? And I think it goes against the grain of human nature, uh, some of the statements he said. And one of the things he said, and I, I'm just going to, I'll give you three things that he says in this passage that I hope challenges you a believer. Now, it may, it may challenge you to maybe think about the way you're living. It may, it may think about uh, Not that you're living maybe in a negative way. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a conviction that that God's trying to help you with. But maybe it's just uh, you're not thinking the way the kingdom thinks. Maybe what Paul is saying today is a different way to think. Maybe it's shifting your idea, your focus on uh, on the way God thinks versus the way that we naturally want to think in our human nature, and it's really going to challenge you in that way. Uh, Or possibly it's it's really pushing you to uh, all of us to mature in our faith. Uh, Because let's let's be honest. Some of these things I'm going to say today are, are going to be difficult. They're not going to be easy for us, uh, and it's going to really go cross-grain of how we think in our everyday lives. But, uh, but I think that's the goal of us as a worshiper, is not to think like ourselves, but to think like Christ. And a lot of times thinking like Christ, has to, we have to remove ourselves from the circumstance to begin to you know, see like the kingdom. God, how do you see it? How do you see what I'm going through? How do you see what I'm walking into right now? And that's what you see in these writings. In fact, Paul, the first thing he says is this. This is the manifest evidence. Now, uh, it's not a word we used uh, too much today. Well, manifest, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big show called Manifest, right? Um, so maybe you used it in that way. But uh, manifest really means to make known. In fact, the word actually in the Greek, uh, and I, I won't try to, uh, well, I'll try to pronounce it. I'll probably butcher it, but it's, it's enigma means that it's the the absolute proof that you're the Lord's people. This word translated into manifest today in English comes from that Greek word and it really, the the whole defining purpose of that word and manifest is probably uh, one of the uh, best translations or one of the translations that we can bring in English to really bring it to form, but it, it means this is absolute proof. So here's what Paul's saying. This is the absolute proof and evidence of the righteousness of God. So what's he talking about? This is the absolute proof and evidence of the righteousness or the righteous judgment of God. So, what does that mean? What, what is the absolute proof and what is the absolute understanding? This is the mark that you're one of his people, is basically what this scripture is saying. Well, if you just read the verse before that, here's what he says He says, So that we ourselves boast of you, Paul speaking of the Thessalonian church of believers he's saying we're we're boasting among the churches of God for your patience and faith. This is the manifest evidence. This is the absolute truth. This is the absolute mark of you as a believer that whatever you're going through that patience and faith is your hallmark. It's it's your value that you're gonna be a man and woman of patience, that you're gonna be a person of faith. And And I love it's not written of in the good times. Look at what it says. It says, for your patience and your faith and all your persecutions and tribulations. That's the hallmark. That's the manifest evidence. That is the mark that you're a believer, that you can walk through the fire, you can walk through the tribulation, you can even be persecuted. And uh, you know, we were talking about this in our creative meeting as we were talking about uh, you know, the messages and we, we talk about every service and every message you know, weeks before we give it. Uh, but here's what persecution means, is that somebody is oppressing you in some way. So sometimes when we say persecution, we only think about one thing, and that's the, the terrible floggings and the things like that. And that's true. That's part of it, right? That's oppression through manipulation, through abuse or through torture. Uh, but persecution, and, it's, and it's, if you break it down, it means uh, in some way someone or something or some enemy is trying to oppress you. As believers, we know that somebody is trying to oppress the Word of God. He's trying to oppress the truth of Scripture, and he's trying to oppress believers. And so in the Thessalonian church, Paul has been saying the whole time, hey, look, the government's trying to oppress you. People are trying to oppress you. Even the Jews, the, the Jewish uh, people in that day, the religious leaders, which Paul was one of them, is trying to oppress them. Remember, he said uh, you know, early on in Thessalonians, because they weren't circumcised, they weren't true believers. And so they were trying to oppress them and trying to use tactics and different things or, or, uh, or, or works to say, hey, you can't be one of us because of this or because of that. Look, that's all oppression. That's all oppression. And Paul says, this is, this is the manifest evidence that you're one of God's children, that you're gonna be, go through things, that there, there is gonna be somebody, something, someone, or the enemy's going to influence a person or an individual or a government or a nation. That he's going, to, he's going to influence somebody to try to oppress. Now we live in America. We live in the best nation, I believe, on the land. But there's a lot of oppression towards the Christian faith, isn't there? Now maybe it's not floggings or beatings and prayerfully it never comes to that. I know there's other nations that have come to that. But there is someone that's trying to oppress you, that's trying to take the word of God, that you can't pray in your schools, that you can't do this or that. That's not true, is it? But just understand that's part of persecuting. It is, look, it, I do, it doesn't mean that we don't stand for our faith and we don't stand up when those things are being spoken, but you need to understand here's part of the hallmark, here's part of the, the symbol, here's the manifest evidence that you're a man and woman of God, that there should be some tension. There should be some tension. How many of you complain when there's tension? Let's be honest. I do too. But what if, what if we could start seeing that the tension is a good thing? What if we could start seeing that, look, the enemy doesn't really, the enemy does not care about the loss and those that are away from God. What the enemy is really focused on is the church. He's focused on the believers because those are the only people that can change his plan and his outcome. The only people that can change the enemy's plan are you and I, are the church, that's it. So where is he gonna focus? Who's he gonna be watching? And it's not anything to be fearful of, so please don't, I'm not trying to speak fear into you, I'm just trying to get you to understand something that God says the manifest evidences is, is when you do feel tension because, listen, you're doing something for God and somebody's noticing. So, Sometimes if we get into this place and this is what really challenged me is uh, maybe I shouldn't complain maybe I should be thanking maybe I should maybe part of my worship should be God there's some there's tribulation or God there's oppression that's happening towards me but I understand it's because of what you're trying to do through me that any time we want to do something great for God guess what there's going to be tension there's going to be oppression there's going to be some, something thrown in your life. Call it tribulation. Call it whatever you want. The tribulation is just a good word. That it could be a lot of things that's trying to derail you from what God wants to do. Has this ever happened in your life where maybe God is encouraging you to take a step of faith? Maybe he's trying to get you to do something in your life. And it seems big. I mean, it, it should seem big because God's bigger than us. And anytime he's giving you something, it's, it's bigger than us. But sometimes, right before you're getting ready to take that step, something happens, doesn't it? Why? How many of you have ever went on a missions trip? Anybody? How many, anytime you've gone on a missions trip, and this isn't, please go on a missions trip. I'm not trying to get you not to go on a missions trip. But I'm just saying that we're going to Israel in October, by the way. If you want to go to Israel, woo! Some of you are like, I wanted to go till right now, John. I don't want to go anymore. But... Uh, Anytime you go on a mission trip, I, I always remember uh, some of our first mission trip, Jen and I went on. We went to, uh, uh, we were going to Peru. That was my very first mission trip. I was a new believer. Uh, we were at this conference with teenagers. We took some teens there. I, I didn't know that taking teens that we would be called, but I went and they did the saying, hey, we're uh, global expeditions. It was a ministry called Team Mania. We were there and I, and I thought, I I want to I want to go. So they had this little breakout go and, and they spoke some more about ministries and the, and the mission trips. So uh, Peru was one of those ones. Now, we didn't have the money, right? That's always the catch with mission trips. I would go, but I just don't have the money, right? But if God's calling you to go, you got to have the faith that he's going to provide. That it's not our resources that dictate our destiny. It's God that dictates our destiny And we have to have the faith that sometimes when we don't have the resources or the means or even the faith to make that kind of a step, we've got to trust that if this is God what's calling us, I'm going to be faithful to take the step. So for us, it was saying, okay, God, we'll go. I don't know how we'll go. And I remember uh, we didn't have the funds and you had to raise so much by this date. And not only that, uh, we were were just interested in going. uh, But then we get a call from the leadership saying, no, we want you to lead the trip. I'm like, I don't even know Jesus that well. And you want me to take 30 teenagers into Peru? A country I've never been, a language I do not speak, and, pe- and teenagers that I kind of like, but not really. But I will take 30 of them with If you want me to go, I'll go. And so I remember, okay, we'll go. You want to be a leader? Great. You got to lead a drama? I've never done a drama before. That's okay. We'll send you the, the video. Just watch the video at home. You know, Prepare. And so I remember going through that whole process, and I remember, you know, you had to have so much money by this date, and we, we made that target, but then when we were getting closer, uh, you know, the money wasn't there. And uh, just, just to give you a visual of, of what God said about uh, the manifest evidence, we knew that we were called to go. What we didn't know is that there would be tension and tribulation. And I remember uh, we were living in Cranberry at the time. Uh, I remember Jen uh, was going to work one day, they carpooled. She worked at West Penn Hospital, and she was going to work one day, and she got in a car accident. Now she wasn't driving. The, she was carpooling with a, one of her friends, and they were driving. And so, thankfully, nobody was hurt. But it was a pretty, pretty good accident. And um, and uh, you know, they. Uh, but at the end of the day, God used that terrible incident. Like you, you don't pray for car accidents when you're going on a mission trip. God, I pray there's a car accident that would fund our trip. But that's what happened. That's what happened. We didn't have the money, we didn't have the resources and, and it, came, it was coming down to the wire where we had to make the last payment and we didn't have it. But we just knew that God called us to go and we took the faith to go. And God used that tribulation, he used that car accident to fund us to go to the mission trip. Now again, I, I'm just saying, what if we can see like God sees? Now, God would not speak a car accident over our lives but God can use tribulations that happen in our life for his kingdom. He can use situations that we walk through in our life for his kingdom. But if we're too busy complaining about the situation, we'll never hear what God's doing in the kingdom. It's not that God doesn't care about you. It's not that God doesn't love you. In fact, God is trying to get your attention. But a lot of times we're too busy complaining. We're too busy, it's all about me. Instead of saying, God, how can you use this? The manifest evidence the reason why there's somebody that's watching what you're doing and maybe throwing things in different ways or there's things that happen in this world. Look, we don't see the big picture. And I'm so glad that we don't. Because if, uh, if God would have, if, if I could see the whole picture, I don't think I would choose. I wouldn't have chosen. If God would have said, hey, I want you to go to Peru, but it's going to cause a car accident and your wife's going to be in the car accident, I would have said, no, we're not, we're not going. And if I would have said that we're not going, if I would have saw the whole picture and I would have said, no, I, that's, that's too risky. I, I, I'm not willing to take that risk. Well, it was in Peru that I got called to be a pastor. My point in all of this is saying is sometimes there's going to be tension in your life, but that tension isn't always bad. You know, baseball just started, right, opening season? For any baseball fans in here? I know Andrew Max back there. He's my biggest baseball fan back there, right? Sometimes it's not always a foul ball. Sometimes in life it's not always a foul. It may look foul. But I love in baseball, if you hit a foul, guess what? You get another chance. Sometimes in life we get focused on the foul. We get focused on the ball going the direction we don't want it to go. Instead of saying, God, okay, show me what you're doing. What are you doing? So the manifest evidence, the, the and I hope you're seeing this in Scripture, what Paul's saying is, hey guys, look, your patience and faith through it all is what I'm telling all the churches about. This is what, this is what Paul said. This is what I'm telling all the other churches of God about is that your patience and your faith, even though you're going through all of this stuff, even though that the oppression is so strong and people are against you and the enemy is against you and all of these curveballs are being thrown at you, your patience and faith is what I'm testifying of. Your patience and faith is what the manifest evidence of God is about. Only God can take somebody that goes through the, the hardest of tribulations and the hardest of oppression and we can still remain faithful and still remain patient. That's how you know that God is in your life. And look, I, I understand. In fact, some, one of the worst teachings we could say is don't pray for patience. When the hallmark manifest evidence of God is patience and faith. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is patience. One of the gifts of the Spirit is faith. So please don't say, God, if you... I don't want to pray for patience. What you're saying is, I don't want to pray for you. But the number one key or symbol or understanding of who we are in Christ is that we can have patience and faith through whatever we're going through. And look, I understand this isn't easy. Does this go across the grain of how you live? Even as a believer, look, any of us, I think all of us in this room, if we were honest None of us like tension. None of us like oppression. None of us like tribulations. And our flesh we don't like it. But what if we could look at it and start to ask God, what are you doing through it? How to remain patient? And how look, patience I understand is something we grow into. This is why I said this is a more mature message right? So as, as a new believer, as a teenager in your faith, or as a kid in your faith, like there's, I know there's not much patience, but this is part of our goal of being a, a, a worshiper of God, of walking out this living for Christ, is that, look, we're going to keep going through things. We're going to keep taking this test. This is what I love about foul balls. If it's foul, you're going to take it again. Look, if you, make, if you focus on the wrong thing, or you say the wrong things, or you, you get focused and you allow the enemy to distract you, it's okay. You're going to hit it again. But at some point, you're going to hit a home run. At some point, you're going to understand that God is using whatever you're going through for his glory and for his kingdom. And not only are you going to see, but those that you're ministering are going to see. And guess what? The enemy will see. Because you know what the scriptures say? I love what David writes. David says, you're going to sit at the table with who? Your enemies. Does that scare any of you? But what does the scripture say? As you're sitting at the table, they're going to see the anointing that's on your head. That even if you're sitting in front of the enemy himself, he's going to see the manifest evidence of God's anointing on you. That through patience and faith and through you persevering and whatever he throws at you, you are going to overcome. You're going to hit the home run. Did you see that in Scripture? Did you see that Paul is saying, hey, guys, thank you for learning. Thank you for maturing. Thank you for growing. I know it's not fun to go through. And look, Paul's not writing. He's not a guy that's writing and just, he's been through oppression. He's been through persecution. He's been there too. But he's saying, this is the manifest evidence, guys. Keep standing your ground. And then he says this. Did you see this? And verse, uh, I believe it's in verse seven. Verse seven, he says, "And to give you who are troubled rest, to give you who are troubled rest." Does that sound good? It sounds really good, doesn't it? To give you who are troubled rest. So, if you're going through a lot today, how many of you want some rest? We all do. But if you read the whole scripture, what does it say? to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Remember last week we just talked about his second coming. He's saying, when Christ comes, him and his angels, the trumpet will blast. Remember, we talked about that last week. Here's what Paul's saying. Look, you're gonna get rest. And I believe Paul is writing, and his hope is that Christ would come tomorrow. I've said this all through the series and all through what... Paul isn't writing as like, you know, 2,000 years from now, you'll get rest. That's not, I don't believe that's the way he's thinking. He's thinking, look, you keep being a person of faith. You keep being patient. You keep grinding this out. You keep walking. You keep knowing that God's hand is on you. You keep knowing that God has anointed you. You keep walking and being faithful, even though you're being oppressed, even though you're going through tribulation, even though life seems like it's against you, you keep walking for God. Rest will come. And it may not come while you're on earth. It may come at the second coming of Christ, but that's okay. Rest is rest. I'll receive it now or later. Either way, I'm committed to Christ. Do you hear the maturity in Paul? I'm all in, he says. Did he have moments? We talked about this in week two. Did he have moments where he's like, man, I am just done. I can't do this anymore. Of course he did, but he had community. He had people around him to lift him up, to encourage him. And when life gets rough, he would be sharpened by the church. He'd be sharpened by other believers and other brothers and sisters. And now he's, he's saying, hey, Thessalonians, look. Rest is coming. I know you're tired. Remember, I just, I just shared a couple chapters ago how when I was tired, I leaned on you. You need to know that rest is coming. But I love his perspective. Even if you don't receive rest today, and I'm not talking about the Sabbath, although that's so important that we have the Sabbath. You know what kind of rest he's talking about? The rest that we will, ne- we will not be experiencing evil anymore. The rest that we're not gonna be fighting against the enemy anymore. That evil, the evil tension that we feel every day won't be there. Won't that be a blessing? When we're not seeing the junk all the time, we're not hearing the mess all the time. Hey, you know, you know what a, a good thing about when you rest in heaven will be? One of the, I think one of the blessings that we don't realize, and this is why uh, you know, one of the gifts that God gives us is the, the gift of tongues. And look, I'm not going to debate and give a message. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a few weeks from now. But uh, you know what the amazing part about that gift is? There's no foul language, it's a pure language. You know, when you get to heaven, there won't be any junk language, there won't be any junk music, there won't be any junk commercials. And by the way, it's still going to be amazing. We think we need this stuff to have fun, but you don't. You're going to be able to rest from all that. You're not going to have all of that. You're not going to have all the craziness, the sickness, the disease, the chaos, the high health insurance bills. Why? Because the healer's right there. You won't need any of that. Uh, Won't that be so peaceful? And that's what Paul says. Look, the rest that I'm talking about is coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then he ends with this passage right here. Glorified in you and you in him. Now, I, I, uh, when I read these, these passages, let me just read verse 11 and 12 and, and uh, share this with you. But verse 11 says this, Therefore we also pray always for you that God would count you worthy worthy of this calling and fulfill all good pleasure of his goodness and his work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, may be glorified in you. I don't have a problem with that. It's the next part. It's not that I have a problem with it. It just, it just I, I just never thought about it this way. That the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him. Have you ever thought about your life glorifies Him? That your life is a blessing to Him? That you and I, that this worship that we live day in and day out, this living sacrifice is what Christ describes it as, this, this life that we, that we walk, is, it's a blessing to Him. Do you view your worship that way? Living for God is a blast. Living for Jesus is a blast. Look, I know we're not all perfect, but you know what? When, you're, when your heart's right, when our life is about honoring the King, when our life is all about, God, I not only want your heart, but I want your heart to be displayed through me, it blesses Him, it glorifies Him. And look, that's not why we do things because we're we're a people of, man, I I just need a goal. My goal today is, that's a good good goal, right? I want to glorify Jesus. But ultimately the goal is is just live your life freely. Just keep receiving the goodness of God and just be you. And I think the number, number one truth or the number one thing that we could understand as a worshiper is, is there's no separating Christ's heart from our heart. That as we mature and we grow, look, it gets easier not to sin, right? It doesn't mean that we're never going to sin, but it gets easier not to sin. Why? Because we understand his heart. And we're not purposely choosing to sin. You know, when you're early in your faith and you're just getting to know Jesus, sometimes you mess up a little bit quicker. But as you mature and you grow, you get to a place where it's fun to live for God and that's all you want. That's your desire. That's your purpose. That's your plan. It doesn't mean that you don't slip up here and there, but you're quick to say, God, I'm sorry. You see, that's the life that he's called us to. That's the worship that I think we all desire. But we think that we can't obtain it, but Paul says, oh, you can obtain it. It's right there for you. It's right there for me. Patience and faith. Look, it's not complicated. Patience and faith. You know, we'd be a lot better off if we were just patient, wouldn't we? I so wish we wouldn't have invented microwaves because that just took our patience to a whole new level, didn't it? It just threw it out the window. I'm just kidding. I love microwaves too, but I'm just saying. Look, I, I love the time that we live in. I love the moment that we live in. And look, let's just be real. 2019, or we go all the way back to 32 and 30 when Jesus lived, Sure, times were different, but the heart wasn't any different. The roots weren't any different. Do you think they struggled with patience then like we do today? Sure they did. Was it different? Absolutely it was different. But patience is patience, isn't it? Whether it was 2,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, patience is patience. We just find a new thing to focus on. But if we want to keep walking for God, if we want to keep growing in this worship and this lifestyle that we have, patience and Faith. Faith believing things that, that, are, uh, that we don't see with our eyes, but we know in our heart, we know in our relationship with God that that's what he has for us. We, we understand that this relationship we have with Jesus is everything. It is our salvation. It is our eternity. It is our righteousness. It is our holiness. It is everything that God's called us to do. Faith, we're gonna keep living through faith, which means that we gotta put our attention and our focus on Jesus every day. Not just on Sunday, although this is a great day to put your focus on Jesus, but every day we put our focus on Jesus. We're going to keep looking at faith. We're going to keep looking at his heart. We're going to keep living out Christ in front of everybody. Not for a show, not for display, not so we get the attention, because that's our desire. As a worshiper, we want what he wants. As a worshiper, he's the Lord, I'm not. And Paul says "This this is what it's like to walk in faith, And God says, it's not only a blessing to you, but it's a blessing to him. That it glorifies, yes, you, but it also brings glory to him. I think it'd be great to drop in on one of those conversations between Jesus and God the Father. Wouldn't it be great to sit there and hear them talking about you? Do you know it happens every day? Scriptures say that Jesus Christ himself is interceding on your behalf. Do you know every day there's a conversation between God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit about you, about me, about each one of us in this room? That's a lot of meetings. If you think your schedule's full, you have no schedule compared to Jesus. I mean, every day he's meeting with God the Father about every single one of us and every believer all over the planet. And not only that, but every believer that's ever been born is up there with him. That's a lot of people. Think about it. Moses, Elijah, all of the greats, David, they're all in heaven right now having conversations with Jesus. Jesus is having conversations with the Father about you and all the other people on the planet and those that will be born, even little Ryan and little Moses and little Dave. He's up there having conversations about every one of us. Oh, my goodness. And he gets it right every time. Every time. Every time. Every time you're praying, he's listening and he's answering and his answers are always good, always a blessing. He sees your faith and he sees your patience. He says, thank you. He says, thank you. Thank you for worshiping me. Thank you for living for me. You see, I don't know about you, but I didn't always view it that way. Sometimes God is too big for our heads to understand, and I get it. He is too big for us to understand. But let's understand it's, it's a relationship. Let's understand that Jesus really is sitting down with the Father and talking about you. And he's not complaining about you. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He's having conversations about your best. Even in your wrongs, Jesus is saying, I'm praying this over John. I'm praying, look, I, I know he's not making the right decisions, but this is what I have for him. And guess what? He sees the have. He sees what I have. He sees your future. He sees your destiny. Even before you were born, he knew the end. He knows where you're going. And that's the God I want to worship. I want to know the God that created me and knows me in every way, intimately, deeply. That doesn't just know me through this circumstance that I'm lost in, but he knows me after the circumstance. He knows the end, he knows eternity with me. What an amazing lifestyle of worship that we can have with a God that's much bigger than us. We don't deserve that relationship, but by grace through Christ, we have it. All of us in this room can have it. And maybe you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus. After hearing that, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's available to you. You can have it. And I know we sit here because I've sat here and I think all of us have sat here. Sometimes we think, well, I, I just, I just, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew, oh, He knew. Oh, He knew. He knew what you did. He knew what I did. He knew what every person on this world has done and He died for it all. And then we sit here and say why can't be a man or a woman for god i'm i'm not good enough i don't know enough you know what the only qualification that you have to be good enough or know enough is this jesus that you can have a relationship with the living god and he'll help you with the rest that's why he sends you a helper. He knows you can't do it without him. He knows I can't do it without him. He knows that all of us collectively, even as smart as we could gather in this room, we still couldn't do it without him. So he sent you a helper himself, the spirit to live inside of you. You're not asked to do it by yourself. You have the living God who knows everything about everything inside of you. You can do it. And you will be blessed and he will be blessed as you trust and you keep walking. This is what worship is all about. This is what worship is. When we sing these songs, it's not just to sing the songs. It's just not to get through the set. It's to unite our hearts on the truth that we're singing. It's to anchor on the foundations that we're singing about. All of these songs are about Christ. It's all about His grace we sang about. It's all about anything that we can anchor our hope on. The things that are impossible to see. We can see in the Word of God. We can see in Christ. And that's where we put our hope. That's where we put our faith. That's where we put our patience. God, this circumstance isn't going to rule me. This circumstance isn't going to control me. This circumstance isn't going to steal away my eternity. It's not going to take away my salvation. It's not going to change my relationship with you. So I'm going to stand in the middle of this tribulation. I'm going to stand in the middle of this oppression with patience and with faith knowing that god's on my side that you are discussing with the father my best and my intentions that this circumstance will go away and i'll keep marching forward in the word of god and in the kingdom of god god i'm yours i will worship you with or without the tribulations i'm yours i will worship you in the worst i'll worship you in the best i'll worship you in the middle i trust you in all God, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. And when I'm going through it, I'm not gonna look at it through the circumstance. I'm gonna ask you, what are you doing through it? How are you using it? So there was a car accident. So thank you for protecting her. And thank you for providing in the midst of the tribulation. And God, thank you for taking a situation that didn't look good, and now you turned it for the kingdom. can't imagine what would happen if I didn't go what is God saying to you if you're going through something today can we ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing possibly potentially look sometimes we're going through things because we're making bad decisions but can I just say that sometimes you're going through things because you're a believer and that tension's real but don't forget the manifest evidence of God is that when you stand in the face of adversity with patience and faith and you overcome because you're an overcomer. Why? Because Christ is an overcomer. So stand to your feet. I just wanna pray with you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. God, show us what true worship is like. I remember that lady came up to you, Samaritan woman. She said, God, who's right the Jews or us Samaritans and Jesus you said someday you'll understand you'll understand what true worship is of course God saw the coming of the Holy Spirit upon us and he he knew all of that but here we are standing today God reveal true worship to us it's not that we can't know it because we can know it you sent yourself so we can know But maybe we're sitting here today and we're making excuses. Maybe we're sitting here today and we're complaining. Maybe we're sitting here today and we're going through an awful situation. Holy Spirit, show us a new way to see things. Lord, even if we're in the wrong and we're in the situation because we're in the wrong, we can turn and say, God, I'm sorry. And you can still take this situation that we made a mess and you can still turn it around for good. Because Romans 8 says, all things will turn good for those that love me. And so you can take whatever we're going through right now, even if even if it was self-made, even if we made the mistake, God, if we would truly just look at our hearts and say, God, I am so sorry, you could begin to turn us, you can begin to shift us, you can begin to show us how to be patient, how to be faithful in the midst of all these things that we're going through and the goodness of God. If you're going through something today, I just want to Unite my heart with yours. I want to unite these scriptures, these truths. If you're going through something today, could you just lift up your hand? I just want to pray with you. You're going through a tribulation. Maybe you're complaining. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you don't understand. It's okay. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lord, we thank you for these hands today. We thank you that, God, you see their hands. You see their situation. You see their circumstance. And Jesus, I just pray the word of God over them. I pray faith and patience right now and them personally God I pray that they'd be a people of faith and patience that today as they leave this room they may walk into that same circumstance that same mess but I pray they'd walk in anew they'd walk in with God your perspective your faith God give them patience don't let them get frustrated don't let them knee-jerk don't let them make decisions especially poor decisions just because they want to get rid of this problem but Lord, that they'd be a man and woman of patience and they'd be a man and woman of faith and they would trust that the answer that you have may be different than what they have. But that's what's best. Now Lord, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't received you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, speak to them right now. Lord, I can't save them with my hand or my words, but Lord, you can save them in that moment when their heart says, Lord, I'm sorry, and you repent and you say, Jesus, I wanna make you Lord of my life. Right there, instantly, God knows your heart. He knows where you are. And so right there in your seat as we sing this song, I just want you to make that confession, if that's you. To say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm repenting of my sins and I'm making you Lord of my life, which means now you are a follower of Christ. You're a follower of Christ. These aren't just quick words to to receive something. These are words that change your life forever. And Jesus says this life will now be abundant. Abundance that you've never seen before. But we must follow must follow him we must see things new must transform our hearts and our minds with his word it's in the mighty name of jesus everyone said amen let's worship today anew let's worship fresh maybe today you came in and this is new for you i told you this would be a little bit more mature this is a little bit different but maybe you're seeing things a little bit differently now let's just not sing words let's lift our hearts let's unite our our lives with his so let's sing together